Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. So I've known Terry for goodness gracious, five, six, probably seven years, actually. Um, and we first met uh, when he was speaking at an event. And um, I, I liked, right, he's nodding, so I must be right. So, uh, and he did such a good job. I asked him if he'd come and, and speak to uh, the SEGC group, which I run which he agreed to. And he did a, an amazing job there too. Uh, and he's just grown into a, a wonderful speaker. Uh, he, he now, you, you can tell us better than I can, Terry, but he has gigs and workshops now, which he's grown into um, all over the US. Terry's background is in um, neuroscience. He lectured, at, um, uh, lectured on the subject, uh, I believe at University of Minnesota and uh, uh, at other places, and has become an expert in that uh, space to the point where he has now a variety of talks that delve into the various areas of neuroscience. Um, and all of them are amazingly interesting and shed more light on how we think and why we react the way we do. So, um, so with that, Terry, hopefully that was a reasonable introduction. By the way, uh, he's a very good friend of mine too, uh, and uh, his his home cooking is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that should be uh, my wife. Well, my wife's credit. Yeah. So we typically start with a question, Terry, and mm -hmm. clearly at this juncture, not unlike other junctures, but we've got unique scenarios today with, uh, let's just say, the labor market and uncertainty mm -hmm. in general. We have a number of stressors that cause leadership to, you know, be challenged more than perhaps it ever used to be and maybe differently. And would like to hear your observations as to what really is uh, pervasive out there as far as what's holding leaders back, what's challenging them and what's keeping them up at night. One of the things I recently kind of put in some effort into studying is this topic of burnout and leaders get burnout and their followers get burnout and then they turn into a, it turns into a vicious cycle and when you have your followers who experience burnout that adds more load or stress to the leaders and when leaders get burnout and they don't make good decisions that adds more stress to the followers I did a workshop last year to a group of senior leaders uh, in the healthcare industry about stress and leadership. And they mentioned that in Minnesota, we had a uh, big strike by nurses. I didn't follow the news for a long time, but and then I've been recently, I've done some studies on burnout and rec I realized that last year we had a huge strike by about 15,000 nurses in Minnesota. And what's striking is that they, the salary was not the big problem. They settled on the salary, on the pay very quickly. But what got stuck was that the nurses demand, demand a lot more. The main demand was they want to have more autonomy. 
because the workload was tremendous and they could they feel like they're losing their sense of control. They became powerless. Often they think if we want our employees to work more, we just pay them more. But once you reach a certain point, they feel like, you know, the more I work, the more work I am handed to, I, I feel I don't have a say about how much work I can put in and they work around the clock and then they still couldn't catch up. I thought one of the nurse who, one of the nurses who were interviewed by the media, she said, I hurt my back on the job and then my patients started yelling at me because I couldn't do my work. And she got so demoralized. And that lack of a sense of control was a big factor in this strike. It was not really just about pay. It was about the lack of a sense of lack of control. So the thing is, lack of control when it comes to psychological stressors is a huge stressor. And very often that kind of a blind side for leadership. We don't realize that a sense of control, autonomy is a big, big thing when it comes to reducing employees or followers stress. You know, Terry, I know you've you've talked about I've I've heard you speak on the whole topic of um almost stress transfer. Um, one example you gave was when you um, when you micromanage, you're moving your stress about the job being done right to the employee who now has the stress of, of not having the autonomy and not having um, the freedom of control. It's absolutely right. The, the, here's, a, you know, I take a step back, why stress and leadership is a, such an interesting topic we don't, we very often we talk about stress in the context of health. Stress makes you gain weight. Stress can cause diabetes. Stress can make you sleep poorly. But we don't think about stress and leadership are really connected. But here's the reason why. According to a lot of studies, there's plenty of evidence from animal studies and from human studies. A very effective way to reduce stress is to give somebody else stress. Then think about who's in the position to give somebody else stress. It's leaders and managers and supervisors. So when leaders are under stress, the default way for them to reduce stress is to pass the stress onto somebody else. And that comes to micromanagement, retaliation, intimidation, mandates, all sorts of tactics, toxic leadership tactics, you name it, they're all relate, they're all kind of boiled down to reducing lead, how really leaders reduce their own stress by passing their stress onto their followers. Yeah. And that I think in these times, we're certainly hearing more stories around that. Um, and it may be happening more, or employees are speaking out more about their not willing to tolerate that. I know just this morning on the news, there's, here in the Twin Cities, there's a potential grocery workers strike. And one of the uh, two of the issues is exactly what you just said. They talked about the workload. Mm -hmm. And um, I think from their side, it sounds like, you know, well, if we're going to work this much, we need to get paid more. But but there was more there than just the pay. Again, just like leaders say, well, maybe we just pay more. Um I think the employees first up as well, we should get paid more. But as, as I listened to a couple of people being interviewed, they were talking much more about what you just mentioned, the ability to control their work environment a little more or um, their hours or whatever it is. But again, autonomy. So I think um, it's really interesting, this 
whole subject because we we've been talking Terry the last few sessions about and I've written a few articles about it too as to how the whole labor market is shifting uh not just in uh, what the challenges are of finding people and retaining them uh, and uh I think what we're seeing what we're discussing now is all part of this shifting sand of the people market where people are not willing to put up with the same stuff they put up with over the years um that they that, you know that they're either striking or they're withdrawing their labor completely without telling anybody some of that's quite quitting but some is actually leaving completely and starting their own businesses and saying i'm not going to be under that stress from those sort of people um so i guess uh and i'm seeing you guys nod so i i, I guess my supposition is probably fairly sound the question i have for us i suppose is is and there's no silver bullet <laughs> but what are the some of the things that we could be doing to to give people back that control terry that you just talked about or the autonomy within a framework humans don't have unlimited tolerance for stress once you reach a break, breaking point you're going to crumble because this is biology, this is physiology. Once you cross that threshold, you cannot, you can tell the person who's under chronic stress, you can, here's more money, here's more money. No, money doesn't do anything because the person just doesn't have any motivation anymore. You cannot motivate that person with money anymore. This is the biology. You cannot do that. And then the other really very kind of interesting tactic by leaders is let's do a resilience workshop. Let's bring people over and then give you a rah-rah thing and uh, bring in some rah-rah speakers, give you a pep talk and think we can talk you out of it. Doesn't really do anything. You can do all the action in the world, spend all the time 24-7. It's not, you're not going to pull yourself out of it because one person's stress reducer can be another person's stressor. Yoga does not work for everyone. Meditation does not for, work for everyone. The other thing is when you do all these resilience workshops, especially when you mandate employees to attend these workshops you're almost sending a signal saying you're not resilient enough so you should do you should do better it's like this kind of like a shift of shame responsibility to the employees having this kind of like a subtle way of shaming and blaming the employees you're not resilient enough but what it, what leaders can do is give them a little more autonomy let them tell them tell, by, by telling them here you can decide how much work you can do and what kind of a um what kind of a work schedule you can have or with whom you can do the work, when you can do it. So when the person can have a little bit of control, just a slight little bit of control, that kind of really has a very strong impact on the, on the stress level. I think the challenge for people that run companies now, Terry, is this whole feeling about not wanting mm -hmm. to let go um so already we see the nervousness around people wanting their employees that were remote completely remote they want them back in mm -hmm. at least two days a week now mm -hmm. right which flies in the face of what you're just talking about where the, the reason these people like to be remote is because they wanted th that control and that autonomy that you were just so lucidly talked to to um and so i i see now we've got a struggle between you know, workforce saying, yeah, I do, you know, I don't want to be stressed. I want a, a balance in my life now, which I found mm -hmm. in COVID. And now you want to rip it away from me again. 
and so we've got this this uh it's more than friction it's a tug of war one thing is this is kind of like an interesting analogy you know control is a zero-sum game it's like a remote control tv here i have a remote control you cannot have two persons hold the same remote control and click on the button but so this is zero-sum game leaders when leaders have has all when a leader has all the control then guess who's losing the control when it comes to giving people a sense of control choice is a big big deal here if you offer employees choices you offer them you can choose one of uh, option a or option b that's a lot better than saying here option a is your only choice yeah yeah i i in fact i was just i was just thinking about something i did on thursday i was doing an annual an eos annual for um uh, a, a group and we went through prioritizing did the one-year plan came up with eight things that they wanted to achieve in the year and uh and there was some resistances to tackling them but then i gave them all an op- and a, a vote so you've got uh actually i think it was 15 sorry and so we're going to go for seven of those to, because 15 is a lot you, you get to choose now which of those 15 and by doing the vote, it was instant buy-in because now they were thinking about which one is the one that's the most important as opposed to whether we're going to be doing it at all. And so it's yes. just, I just realized by what you've said, what I did without realizing it. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. The yeah. unconscious competent. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to switch them to think about which one I should choose instead of say yes or no. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I subconsciously did that. I don't think I consciously did it, but yes. it marries up with what you've just said. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's actually backed by research. I'm sure because all of your stuff is, and 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 because uh, you research it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really interesting. So so give choices. So it's almost like saying win the small battles, right? So allow battles. And win the, you know, let them win the, some of them, but overall, maybe you you make sure that the big mm-hmm. ones itself. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'd like to go back to something Peter mentioned. This whole notion of okay, um, people have been working remotely, but now we need them back in the office. And I'm always curious as to the reasons for that. Is is what's behind that? And um, I'm sure there's well, people communicate better when they're in the office or it's easier or whatever that is. Um, But I think it's possible that it sends the message that we don't trust you. If you're not in the office, we don't trust that you're working or, or what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're here, we can keep an eye on you. Um, And that may or may not be true, but I think it's possible if I'm an employee that I get the idea that, okay, you know, um, there's a, a lack of trust. And I think that in a micromanaging situation, that also gets communicated that I don't trust you. And mm. when when I don't feel trusted, um, I would imagine that leads to a certain amount of stress as well. Very much so. I think that there's actually a better way to reframe the situation why people should come back to work. One thing around you mentioned, well, the thing you mentioned that is, you know, one way to interpret that message is you don't trust me enough to work 
enough hours at home. But the other way to frame the situation is that humans are social animals. We need this social stimulation to stay healthy, especially for our brain health. Working remotely for an extended long period of time, what it ends up with, you end up with social isolation. Social yeah. isolation can be very, very bad for, for the brain health. Yeah, It's one of the things that we talk about that solopreneurs suffer from, Terry, uh, SEGC, which is self-absorption, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And intellectual isolation and physical isolation. Um, yeah. Those three things out of the four I talk about. So um, I, I get that. So so it's a much more attractive way to attract people back than just. And, and in fact, mm -hmm. I, you, know, you, you didn't mention the word control, Ron, but I think that's probably what it is, isn't it? It's that lack of trust is, is also linked to. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't have enough control over my people. You know, they're doing whatever they want. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and and of course that's at the at the base of that is I don't have enough control means I need control and there we we're back to mistrust. Yeah. Is it without control, right. you know, oh who knows what'll happen? It'll be chaos. Um and I think people perceive that. Um and you know, there I, I'm sure there are people who really want it all laid out for them and they don't want to have to think and just, you know, here. I'm going to control everything you do and you, all you have to do is respond. But, um, if, you know, if at least anecdotally, it's pretty clear that pe less and less people are like that. More and more people are interested in having more autonomy or having a sense of, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm bringing more to this than just following orders that I'm kind of d determining the path as much as carrying out the path. Yeah, I, um, I think that trust thing is really uh, important because uh, uh, one of the things I was teaching on Thursday was the, the five dysfunctions, you know, Patrick Lencioni, where you start with trust as the, the bottom part of the pyramid, and then you go to uh, conflict, because unless we have trust, you can't have conflict. Unless you have conflict, you can't have commitment. Unless you don't, and if you don't have commitment, you can't get accountability. And if you don't have accountability, you can't focus on results, right? I mean... Patrick, yes, I think it's a great model. And uh, if if the trust thing isn't there to begin with, to 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 what you were alluding to, Ron, then the rest of it isn't going to get built up on, and you get very dysfunctional teams. Uh, and and this can happen. I think this happens is happening more now because of behaviours of leaders in around. Uh, if they, they're not saying they don't trust you, but everything every action they take implies it <laughs> yeah and they may not recognize that in themselves right. they right. if you ask them do you trust your people they might say sure but the behaviors and and um and their level of stress again as terry you said their level of stress they're trying to relieve that and um but that trust once damaged is really difficult to get back Yes, it's like saying something harsh to somebody and trying to take it back afterwards, isn't it? It's like you fall. Oh, actually, I didn't actually mean that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I meant you just made a mistake. It, it's too late, right? <laughs> yeah, and and right. it can be regained, but it's it's it takes time. I think yeah, absolutely because, because we we hold on to that. Um, I'm sure, Terry, you can explain why certain parts of our brain get overactive and really hold on to that memory of 
you know, you did 48 nice things, but remember that one thing you did that was really indicated yes. that you didn't trust me and I'm going to hold on to that. Or it's, it's more quickly accessible, I guess is another way to say that. It, it, it takes ages to build trust and there's a reason for that. And it can take a millisecond to violate trust, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is when leaders are under a lot of stress, they tend to hold on their control much more tightly. So it's much more difficult for them to let go of control. So this mm. is the time when leaders are stressed, followers are stressed, and guess who, the, while the power dynamic is going to tilt toward, toward the, the leaders they, because they have control. They want to hold on to more control because it's just a default way for them to reduce their own stress. But at the same time, the followers lose the control and when they lose their control, they got stressed, that stress got passed back on to the leaders, leader gets more stressed, it just wherever you look at a stress in the stress world, there is a vicious cycle. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to submit a question, email successauthorities at inquire at successauthorities.com. <laughs>